just a few moments. As we stated, our, our young folks are gone. We'll be doing that once a month or so. Uh, but some of them will be gone next week to EU, so they're, they're kind of in and out, which causes us to be a, a little thin, especially this time of year. But we are thankful that you are here. You know, I was thinking a, a few moments ago, some of you heard uh, right before services, uh, there was a little bit of crying up here towards the front. Uh, Campbell was just really a little sad that all the other kids got to go, all the older kids got to go, and he wasn't getting to go. But if you recall, it was about a month ago that for the second service, my whole family left, and they just left me by myself. Now they're crying before I get up here, so I just don't know if this service is going to work like this or not, uh, if we're going to be able to handle this. But uh, we're glad that you're here. I'm, I'll try my best, too, on several of these Sundays where the kids are gone. You know that we have begun uh, studying the Bible Bowl and preparing for the last leaders conference that will be coming up. Uh, Easter weekend in the spring and so Sundays like this where they're going to be gone for the afternoon and even next week like they'll be coming back so we won't have practice but today we did practice for about 30 or 45 minutes here in adult classroom number one together so if I start asking you questions and going through a b c and d you can just ignore me there too I'm in the mode of asking them those questions and and then I gotta then come in here but uh, I think it'll be uh, hopefully this will be encouraging for you have you ever received mixed messages before Hopefully, if you have your bulletin in front of you or you like to follow along and look at the outline as we put it into the bulletin, uh, you'll see that we're going to cover some examples this afternoon of biblical examples, some earthly examples, and even we want to talk about a, a perfect example. But you are probably familiar with some examples of receiving mixed messages. As I was trying to think about something to, to illustrate that, of course, one thing that came to mind or I found as I was kind of searching around was what if you pull up to a stop sign and it's green, but it says stop. You know, what, what would you do there? Most of us would consider that a mixed message. I was reading a, a blog post this week that kind of got my mind on this. this is, the title of it was Mixed uh, Messages, and it's going to... It, it in, it used in that blog post the perfect example we're going to get to, but I thought it'd make a good lesson we could expound upon, but in that particular blog post, the article started by talking about the mixed message that you sometimes get maybe with people's cars, you know, their bumper stickers is kind of the idea. The one that was used in the article was the idea that maybe you go through Tennessee and you see someone with a Tennessee license plate, but then they've got Alabama, University of Alabama stickers on the back, you know, and you say, that person's really confused. They're sending mixed messages about where they live, but, but who they cheer for or what's going on. Uh, we have these all amongst our life. I thought about one that's a favorite of Gabe and mine. You know, we go through the line and the food, and there's something sitting there that we know is good, but we'll tell everybody, oh, that's awful. You don't want any of that, you know, so that we can eat all of it. That's a mixed message uh, when you tell, tell somebody that. But, of course, probably the, the greatest example is what we a lot of us have dealt with before in our relationships, and really even especially in marital relationships often. You know, the husband gets mad or the wife gets mad, and they say, well, you're sending me mixed messages. You told me not to, or you told me I could, but you really didn't mean that. You know, that was just a mixed message. And so we're familiar with the concept, but I think that it's important that we consider how we can apply it to our spiritual lives especially and as you see here, we're going to look at some, some biblical examples, and you can imagine that, of course, the perfect example as well at the end is going to come from directly from Scripture. Let's think about a few places that the Bible discusses uh, this particular idea, uh, and that is, number one, Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, with the idea of lip service. In Matthew chapter 15, and Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about the trouble that people sometimes have as they give lip service. He says in verse 7, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 
as we think about this particular passage in context here, Jesus is speaking and uses the word worship. And so we have been talking about this some in our Wednesday night class with the idea that we're asking people, as we've studied this church reset book, to, to come and to be a part of events and to do the things that we do. And in particular, it's really going to be good for us as we assemble together to study the Word of God. You see, we want you to come to game night. We want you to come to, to even the men's Bible study or, or maybe a Saturday where we take a trip and go somewhere and just enjoy time together and all these other fun things. But if you're only doing that, well, you're checking the box of attendance and maybe you're, you're growing some in your relationships with each other, but you're not really growing close to God and close to his word. And so we think about the idea that certainly a person can, can show up, they can sort of check the box and be present and just give lip service to something. We want you to be at worship. We want you to be here when we assemble together to study the word of God. But if you simply show up, just to show up, and maybe you move your mouth, as we think about the idea of lip, lip service, actually move your lips. Lip service, maybe you do that, maybe you don't. But if you just show up, then that's still not going to, to get it. Jesus is talking about, of course, that, that their lips are doing one thing, but their heart is doing something else. Now, the problem with that with us is as we sit in this room, even if I'm standing up here leading singing or Don or whomever, we can see faces, but we can't see hearts. And so we can see you maybe moving your lips. We can hear maybe words or, or notes, music coming out. But are we actually worshiping God? I think that is something that we need to consider because we can send a mixed message that way. But especially, or maybe also, I guess I should say, not just in worship, but what about our lives? You see, that's what we're trying to make the connection with here. And when we talk about earthly examples, that's exactly what it's going to be. This place is great. We're thankful for this building. We're thankful to assemble here together. We're thankful the elders see fit to, to pay the bills, to help have us have the things we need. But if we're just coming here and only giving lip service here, even if our hearts are in it here in a sense, maybe in worship, but we go out and it's just lip service here, then we're still missing something. It's possible that we're still sending mixed messages Maybe that's to the public. We'll get there in a moment in our earthly examples. But certainly, we don't want to send mixed messages to God. Because as I said a moment ago, Don or I or whomever can stand up here and see you and look at your face and say, oh, they really seem like they're singing or they really seem like they're paying attention, but we can't see your heart. If God is listening, as he is as we worship him and watching and, and listening to our worship, what is he thinking about each one of us? Is he thinking that it's just lip service? That our hearts are doing something else? Or is it that we are truly following after him and we're sending the true service of our worship up to him as opposed to the mixed messages? Number two, these are all going to be found in Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Of course, we are in the Sermon on the Mount here. And Jesus begins this great chapter, of course it wasn't a chapter to him, but chapter to us, chapter 7, by talking about judging. And not that we cannot judge, but proper judging. That as we talk to one another, that we make proper judgment. And we're familiar with the example that begins in verse number 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, 
lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. You see, the encouragement here from Jesus is once again, not that we not judge, not that we can't, as we sometimes say, call a spade a spade, because if we're being honest, that may be what we're most in need of sometimes in this world and in our country, right? It's, it's the postmodernism idea of what's right for you is right for you. What's right for me is right for me. You can't tell me that's wrong. I want to live my own lifestyle. I want to live my own truth. And so then it just kind of opens up to we can't really say anything. So really what we need is judgment, but proper judgment. And sometimes as Christians, what we can do is send a mixed message when we certainly have our own faults and problems but we spend our days or our time trying to correct everyone else's. else's. And I, I always usually hold my hand up, you know, in a sense to my face, to my eye. And when you think about knocking somebody upside the head as you're trying to then reach. And all you can do is, you know, like a comedy sketch show or something like that. But that's really the message here. That we would be doing damage, damaging others with our own problems instead of what we should be doing. Now, here's where we kind of diverge from the world. The world would then say, oh, well, then you can't judge. You can't tell me I'm wrong. Where the message of Jesus and really the message in other places in the New Testament and Scripture is, no, it's that you can make proper judgment, but you need to be sure that your life is right. Perfect? No. But, you know, I saw, we saw this word just a moment ago in Joshua. The kids, that's what the kids are studying. We were studying chapters 2 and 3 of Joshua, and the word was used, and it kind of stood out to me because we don't usually think about it in an Old Testament context, but the word was used blameless blameless that's what elders are supposed to be right perfect well absolutely not we love our elders we try to encourage them we know as well as they know they're not going to be perfect but the same thing is true when it comes to Christians and sending mixed messages we're not going to be perfect but we should definitely be striving to live right remove the plank from your own eye verse 5 and then you will see clearly to help someone else and it even maybe goes away a little bit from the idea of true judging. That's, that's the problem is we hear that word and we think, man, I just hate that. Nobody can judge me. You don't want to be judgy and that kind of thing. No, we're trying to help one another. We don't need to send a mixed message by just always trying to help others and not worried about ourselves. We make sure our own house is in order and then we're able to gently, kindly help one another, encourage one another, even correct one another sometimes when we miss the mark. We need somebody to say, hey, you know what? Maybe you just need to think about this and change what you're doing that's not in line with the will of God. Number three in this type or list of biblical examples, go to Matthew chapter 23 for just a moment. Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Matthew 23 is not one of those feel-good passages. I don't know if you've been reading your Bible through so far this year, but I know if you've picked up at least the World Video Bible School one, if not some of the others. But if it begins in Matthew, you're probably about up here to Matthew 23, either today or, or maybe just read it or, or coming up on it. But it's not a feel-good chapter. You see, I don't know about your Bible, but most of them probably do, you see lots of exclamation points, right? Jesus is, we might say, not to, again, be irreverent or try to bring it down, but might say he's a little wound up. He's a little emotional or passionate about what he's saying here. He's calling names, right? Verse 19 fools and blind verse 24 blind guides he's calling out woe verses 15 and 16 and over and over again he's saying woe to you he's really telling them giving it to them telling them what they need to hear verses 27 and 28 though is one of these particular sections woe to you 
scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now here's where we're, we're letting it, the rubber meet the road, right? Here's, here's the pointed question. He says, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're rotten. You're full of dead men's bones. That's a mixed message. That's a mixed message that it's sometimes hard for us to see. We can't see hearts. But I would challenge you as we begin to shift in just a second to some earthly examples, we can see actions. And actions usually show forth what's in the heart, right? Our actions, our words usually show forth what we're thinking and what we're feeling. He says it's about appearances. We send mixed messages with our appearances. We dress up real nice and fancy. And even if we don't dress up nice and fancy, we show up looking good and ready to worship God, to be present. On Sunday, we show up with our Bible, but then we go out, in a sense, and our true colors show. Inside, we're just dead. We're not feeling anything. We're full of hypocrisy and sin or lawlessness. And the end of verse number 28 there. Did you catch the common theme in all three of those passages? There was one word that was used. I tried not to emphasize it too much, but all three of those examples, Matthew 15, 7, and 23, have a word in common. And each time, the person who was speaking used the word hypocrite. That's what we're talking about with mixed messages. Are we living life hypocritical? If you have heard a preacher talk about being a hypocrite before, you've heard some of these phrases, play acting, wearing a mask, two-face, or as we're saying here, sending mixed messages. So what about us? I appreciate Don leading the song just a moment ago, living for Jesus, a life that is true. Is that what we're after? When we think about the Bible, the Bible speaks about a lot of things other than what we just mentioned here. I think about the idea, Jesus says a lot of things that are somewhat backwards. He's not necessarily trying to send a mixed message, but they sound confusing to us. The first shall be last, right? The last shall be first. The slave shall be free. Those things sound backwards, but Jesus is trying to make a point. For us, if we are saying one thing, but living something else, we're sending mixed messages. We're living as a hypocrite. So, what about us? I just picked out three for our purposes this afternoon. This could certainly spill over into a lot of different things, but I would like to challenge us for just a couple of moments to think about three earthly examples. Number one, for most of us here, and I'll be honest, I really was thinking about the fact most of our young people would be gone. I mean, you know, this is something that's not going to apply to them per se. Uh, this might be a chance in the future to look at some lessons maybe that might not necessarily apply to them, although certainly they need to always hear the truth on things. It uh, might be a chance some Sundays if they're out to, to cover certain topics. But this is something that came to mind, both the first point and, well, I guess all three of these will just obviously. But number one, what about our workplace? I mean, that's where we spend most of our time, right? I started trying to do the math, and it's been a few years for me now, but I, I did it, you know, for 15 years, 13 years or so. But how many hours do you spend at your workplace? Now, for most of us, or a lot of you, maybe now you're home, and it's a little different in that way. But even then, you're caught up in work. But think about when you did work, or if you are still, how much time you spend working. 
when you take a 24-hour day and you take eight or nine hours, depending on how long you're at the office or at lunch in that, and you take out five, six, seven, maybe eight hours if you're good at sleep a night, and you start narrowing that down, it's really, really small that you're with your family and that you're maybe at home. You spend a good bit of your day at workplace or, or resting, right, at sleep at night. So what kind of example are we setting there? Are we sending mixed messages to people? I don't know if I've shared this from the pulpit before here. I, I think I might have said it a time or two. But I, there was one person in particular that I worked with for a long time that it was multiple years, you know, maybe double digits, 10, 11 years I'd been there when they mentioned to me that they were a Christian. <laughs> and I had that look, you know, really. So, you know, you're, you're professing to be a Christian because if you'd asked me for the last 10 years or how many years they'd worked there, if, if I thought you attended church somewhere, were a Bible student, a follower of Christ, I probably would have said no. Now, obviously, in the moment, I didn't have that conversation, but, you know, it's kind of going through your head like, really? You want to talk about mixed messages? It challenged me, and hopefully it challenges all of us to think, is that something that we're doing? Now, if you're like me, it was easy. It was going to be easy if I wanted it to be. Because there's no doubt that most of the people that I worked with had no cares. They didn't care about their language. They didn't care about the jokes they told. They didn't care anything about it. They weren't trying to send mixed messages. They were very clear on what they believed or what they thought. But there's a handful of people. Do we fit into that category? The people that we come in contact with? We, we could spread this out to, our, you know, to, to the store, to the ball field, to the other places that we interact with people in the world. But, but what is it for us? Do we really send mixed messages by professing one thing and then acting in another way. What about, secondly, our citizenship? If you have your Bibles, you can look at Philippians chapter 3. We talked about this a good bit when we covered the book of Philippians recently on Wednesday nights. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. If you were with us during that time, we talked about the fact that the folks at Philippi were very... Uh, they, were, they were very big on their country. They were very big on, on the Roman uh, protection, on serving Rome. There were probably a lot of soldiers who lived there who had settled there after certain battles. And so they're all about patriotism. They're all about their country. And so Paul saying this speaks very strongly and says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he concludes the chapter, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Where is our citizenship? Or at least what do we profess? I would challenge you, and I don't want to get into specific examples due to time and, and other things, other reasons today, but I would challenge you. During the course of some contentious election years in our country, during the course of a time of a virus and an outbreak and a pandemic that has challenged a lot of what we thought about the world and our country and the people around us, where is our citizenship and where is our focus? I'm thankful for this country. I love this country in a lot of ways and, and the folks who have fought and died to protect our freedoms, the folks who are continuing to fight and all of those things. And I, I mean that, I really do. But we have to also recognize when it comes to some of the other things that we get caught up in where our citizenship is. The main way that we usually mention this, of course, comes from social media. You know, whether it's our Facebook page or whatever it might be. But is a person who pulls up my Facebook page or your anyone's Facebook page and looks at what's being said or shared or commented on about whatever it might be, 
would they be getting mixed messages? Would they scroll through a lot of hateful, vile content or words or arguing or all those things and scroll down a month or two backwards and then say, oh, they shared something from the Saudi Church of Christ. I wouldn't have guessed that. Would that be what would be said about somebody or some of us or myself? We have to be careful because this has challenged us through a pandemic and everything to remember that, yes, we live here. And we're thankful for the freedoms we have. We want to try to protect those and help others that we come in contact with. But we must live as if our citizenship is in heaven and not send that mixed message that we're unsure about where our hope is. Because a lot of people put their hope in things here on this earth and forget about the hope that lies in heaven. And because of God and what he did through his son, sending his son, and him dying upon the cross. So what about our citizenship? And then number three. I think about Ephesians chapter 6, and I said the first and third point. This is the kids being gone. The second one does apply as well. But what about this third point? Because I thought about some of the kids being gone and wanting to challenge some of us as parents, but please, please hear me clearly. It's not just the parents, but what about you as grandparents or as who, those of you who interact with other members of your family or all of you because you are people who are examples for my kids being here. You know, they, they know you. Maybe they don't know everything about you. Maybe they not spend a lot of time with you, but they know all of you. And so you are an example for our children, whether you mean to be or not. So are we sending mixed messages? In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, well, excuse me, actually back even up into chapter 5. At the end of chapter 5, I think Paul is building, right? And we talked about this recently with marriage, and with homosexual marriage and that kind of thing. But Paul is building at the end of chapter 5, laying the foundation blocks. And in chapter 5, he talks about husbands and wives and Christ and the church, which then flows over into chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, where he talks about families, which, of course, come out of that husband and wife, that home, that foundation. And yes, we love to quote chapter 6 and verse 1 as parents, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But, of course, included in that, in verse number four, is that parents are setting the right example for their kids. And, yes, I wish he had gone further here in a sense, but I, we know it's there. All of us, as Christians, working together. We're not just, you're not the only one affected when somebody, ha when we have problems. You know, if somebody's wrong, maybe they've, they've stopped coming or they, they have issues, you know, and, and we're trying to deal with that as a congregation, you're not the only one that's affected. Whether it's your family or whether it's you, our children see us talking, see us doing these things or hear us talking about these things. Our children are affected by what happens here. So are we setting the right example? And then one of my favorite things that I love to include, uh, I want to share this quote with you, and it's from Lonnie Jones, who is a, a well-known speaker and preacher. He works in counseling and all those things. I know I've shared this before, but it's become one of my favorite things when it deals with our kids. But he said in his counseling work, the number one predictor for at-risk behaviors among kids is the, this question. Do your parents profess things in public that they do not practice in private? He says, I can sit down kids, and I'll even tell you, he went further than this. I didn't have room to include it on the slide for fear of making the text too small. But he said from his counseling work, he can nail it down to a 95% accuracy rate. That if he's talking to a kid and he asks them this question, he can tell you if they are at risk for having behavior 
that is a problem, spiritually at-risk behavior. Do your parents profess things in public that they do not practice in private? That's a strong question for us to consider. And I think most of us know, whether you have kids or not, or whether they're gone from the home, most of us know they usually have a better feel for what's going on than we give them credit for. They know when mom and dad are having problems. They know when mom is having an issue or dad is personally, and they're putting on a face and acting like things are great, but they can tell when something is amiss. Maybe it's not hidden. Maybe sometimes it's in broad daylight that things are going wrong, that somebody's not doing what they should as a husband, as a wife, as a parent. They know. And he said, from my experience, within a 95% prediction rate, I can tell you if that child is at risk for spiritual problems or behavior problems. And I just, I've always thought that is, so, uh, that is so powerful for us to consider how we affect our young people. So in our earthly examples, our workplace, our citizenship, our children, are we sending mixed messages? Let's consider finally the perfect example that the Bible gives us. And it's found in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 1. And of course, that is our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The perfect example is found in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 1. As Luke turns the page, and if you know your Bible history, you know that Luke wrote Luke, obviously, but then Luke is writing the book of Acts, and it's almost like a, a two uh, volume companion, right? If you were reading them, if, if Luke could have delivered them to you, you would have finished reading at the end of Luke and turned right over to Acts 1.1, and it says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. He was doing it, and he was teaching it. He was talking the talk, but he was walking the walk. He acted in the right ways, but he was also saying the right things. It wasn't just lip service. It wasn't just appearance, but he was doing and teaching. And real quick, let me lead you through the book of Matthew. Turn first of all to Matthew chapter 4. And verse number 23. And the funny thing about this was, this particular point I'd like to make real quick, is that this came out of my Bible reading. You know, I don't know if, if you've started again this year, but in trying to get back to starting with the book of Matthew, this first week of the year, I started at the first of Matthew. And as I was preparing this lesson reading, it hit me that we see it. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Do and teach. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 35. Matthew 9 and verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 31. Matthew 15 and verse 31. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Let me ask you, Jesus was doing and teaching, and what was the result? They glorified God. What is the result of what we are doing? Are people confused because they're getting mixed messages or are they glorifying God? That's the purpose, right? 
Jesus says it plainly at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapter 5. Excuse me, Matthew, uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, what you're doing, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. People were seeing what Jesus was doing. They were listening to what he was saying. And although here it certainly talks about our good works, we understand that that has to match our words. We can't send mixed messages. But the point is that people would glorify God. Is that what's happening when they see us? One final passage here, and the lesson will be yours. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. And if that sounds familiar to you, it should, because that's where we ended this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. What about us? Are we the author of confusion? Do people get mixed messages from us? Because here's two things I thought about this passage as we conclude here. Number one, if we are of God, we should not be confusing either, right? We're not all-knowing. We're not as powerful as God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that. But if we're following the God of heaven, a God who is not the God of confusion, then yes, we should not be confusing either for people. But number two, and this is probably a whole other lesson in and of itself, there is a peace when we live consistently and we do not live sending mixed messages, right? I know you've experienced it. I have as well. Have you ever told a lie, whether you be a, a child, a young person, or as you got older in life, have you ever told a lie and then you spent days or even longer trying to keep it up, right? Well, what did I tell my mom that I got to remember to tell my dad? Because I don't want to mix up the story. They'll catch me in it, right? Or I got to tell my teacher what I told my mom so that if they call my mom, what, what happens when we live inconsistently? We are always in turmoil. We are not in peace. In fact, I would challenge us that sometimes the anxiety that we feel in this world is because we are not living consistently following after God. We are sending mixed messages to others. Now, as we've talked about here and in other lessons, I do believe that we, we have problems with anxiety and lots of folks have, have serious issues with that and, and there's differences in that. But sometimes for us as Christians, if we are not dealing with maybe some of those mental health issues or things like that, Sometimes our problem becomes that we are guilty and we know we're sending mixed messages and we know that we don't have the peace of God because we're not following after him sometimes. So do we give mixed messages to the people that we come in contact with? And if you were with us last week, we concluded our uh, year in review, if you will, with talking about a couple of points. And one of those points was the theme for the youth group this year, which was show me. And that's an, this is another great lesson for that. Heath has taken that and has challenged our young people and will challenge them through the year uh, with different ways in which we need to show our faith. So I thought this message, this sermon kind of goes along with that. Are we sending mixed messages? Or are we living consistently and faithfully for God? I hope that you'll take that challenge, that you'll take that thought and take it with you this afternoon, this evening, and into your work week. And may we challenge ourselves with everything that we do that we think about if it's consistent with the will of God, with his word, and that we can have the peace of God knowing that we're not sending mixed messages to others. This afternoon, we're about to sing this song of invitation that through its words, we might challenge you with this thought that maybe you need to come, come to Jesus, come to God, whether it be for the first time by becoming a Christian, putting on Christ in baptism and allowing your sins to be washed away by the blood of Christ. Or maybe it's for a second time or even more for us as we continue to mess up in the sense that we can repent 
of our sins and enjoy God's second law of pardon. Repent of our sins and pray to him for forgiveness, and he is faithful to do just that. Don't live in turmoil. Don't live sending mixed messages, but live in peace as God would have us to live. And if there is something to miss in your life that you'd like to make a change and make it known now, we'd love to help you as we stand together and as we sing.